on David Warner, I've got to say he's he's got a he's got something to answer for with with this dancing. I didn't mind it at first, um, but uh, have you been following this? They're just getting worse and worse. He's roping the kids in with it now. Uh, I feel for them to be honest. Uh, I think they're going to be looking back in embarrassment in a few years' time. But uh, I think David Warner needs to uh, take a good hard look at himself. Uh, if I'm being honest. Welcome back to Cricket Central, the podcast where we discuss all the big stories and many of the small ones. I am Ted Wayne Jarvis and with me as always are Pearson and Ethan. And guys, uh, it's been a while, a month in fact, I think, but uh, we're back uh, and we're back with, with plenty to talk about this week. But uh, first off, how are you both? Pearson, uh, what have you been getting up to in Canberra? We've uh, we've heard some stories. You've uh, become a minor celebrity over there in, in in certain ways, uh, perhaps Ethan can fill us in on the details of that later. But uh, how have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. I'm slightly nervous where that suggestion is leading, but yeah, I've been fine. Have been a very long time. There was a period there where I didn't think we'd go back to these podcasts again. So I'm pleased we've resumed. Yeah, I think none of us were really saying anything. It was just sort of drifting. No, away. yeah, that's but, a fair point. yeah. We're we're back uh, and back and firing this week. Ethan, how have you been? Yeah, I'm well as well. I must say there are, there are many great things about the IPL, but one of the issues is it seems to go on forever. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting a bit of test cricket craving. Uh, but other yeah. than that, it's, it's been good cricket so far. Mm, well, yeah, not, not quite as long as the BBL. Um, and, uh, well, at least it doesn't feel as long because perhaps the games are... Well, we're, we're barely policy. even done it. It started in March and it only finishes in June. Oh, that's wow. way so, too long. That is. I didn't know it was that long. I thought oh, we were dreadful. like two thirds of the way through the games or something. Or, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, I think we the, are. I feel like the last round robin games are early June, but we started right. the end of March. So Wait, how many like games does months. each team play in a normal season? Do you remember? Because you 14? told us some weird grouping system. Yeah, oh, that's it's something right. like yeah. fourteen, I think. Yeah, okay, 14. And we're, what, 8 and 9, 10 for each yeah, side? Yeah, 9 and 10. 9 and 10. So at the yeah. time of recording, they're all at around 9 and 10. Anyway, I've got much to look forward to there. Um, and on that note, uh, we thought we might do a bit of a summary of each team, the pros and cons, um, who's starring. There's been some pretty incredible performances uh, by one particular Englishman uh, in particular that, I, that Pearson's uh, obviously very happy about. Um, but starting off the, at the top of the table, um, well, more than somewhat, very surprisingly, um, from what people thought from the start of the season, it's the new team, the Gujarat Titans uh, in, the, in the NBL, the Australian Basketball uh, League this season, um, which I and 10 other people in Australia follow. Um, the, the, the new team uh, is now in the grand final and has had a, uh, an incredible season and, uh, despite people writing them off all along the way. And uh, I think so far it seems like Gujarat um, is on a same sort of trajectory. Uh, Ethan, how are they so good? Yeah, I think everyone's a bit surprised by Gujarat. You got the sense early on that they might be a bit underrated. Uh, they just kept winning these these close games. Um, and really, I think what's what's special about them is their four to six in the order. Like if you look at their, their team sheet, it doesn't necessarily jump out at you, but the form of Hardik Pandya, David Miller 
and Rahul Tawatia in, in the middle has really won them some games that they shouldn't have really won. Um, I always think that the, the, the sign of a, a title-winning team or a really strong team is you find a way to, to win games when you're, you're not necessarily in the contest. Um, and they, they've managed to win 12 off twos, 20 off the last over. And it seems they always one of those three will always find a way to get it done. Um, I'm impressed with Hardik Pandya. He's previously batted around the sixth position for Mumbai. He's up batting four, and, and he's looked in really good nick with the bat. And they've also got quite, quite a good bowling attack as well. Mohamed Chami looks absolute class up the top. I'm a big fan of Lockie Ferguson, uh, and Rashid Khan is, is always quite, quite a big name. So despite not having the most impressive team sheet, they've got a few key players who are standing out, and their form is pretty much unparalleled, and they're sitting really, really strongly positioned to go to the final uh, with eight wins out of nine. Yeah, very impressive. Something else I noted um, noticed as well, just when I was reading up before this, that they're bowling early on uh, in innings, especially in the power play. I think they're averaging 2.3 wickets um, at an economy of 7.3 in the power play. So, uh, yeah, incredible performance there. Also, Pearson, what have you seen from them? Well, there's not, there's not too much to add. I think the thing that definitely goes under the radar in a lot of tournaments is luck. And I think we've actually seen a lot of luck that's actually been spoken about in this tournament. There's been a sizable number of games that they really had no right to win, that they just win. You do get the feeling that possibly their luck will run out at some point and they might drop off. But for the minute, it's serving them pretty well. I mean, they've not had anyone particularly dominant. They've only got one player in the top five run scorers, which is Hardik Pandya. But they have, all in all, I think you'd have to say, been relatively effective. They're scoring runs. They're taking wickets. They seem. I think they're another side who are probably better than some of its parts. There's no obvious dominating player within it. There are some world-class players. I think Rashid Khan is a Gujarat player. hope I'm right here, as is Hardik. But there is probably the point to make that they just work well as a team. And I think that's probably been a big part of their success. Final thing I will say before we move on is they have had an Australian that's not performed for them. And I will <laughs> highlight that wherever I see it. And that was Matthew Wade, who unusually was opening although that is his main position i must admit i thought he would be a finisher after his exploits in the t20 world cup and he has dropped off a bit evidently in that opening role and got dropped after a few games and i don't think we've seen him again so happy days for the englishman yeah. on all fronts with gujarat yeah 68 <laughs> you really do just get greater pleasure from <laughs> australian attention but anyway yeah only really 68 did. runs from five uh innings um, by Matthew Wade there. But guys, I, I can't believe you haven't said the real reason why Gujarat are performing well. I noticed when I was looking up for this that their uh, stadium is called the Narendra Modi Stadium. Um, oh, yes, the... Yeah, when, when your stadium is named after the Prime Minister, you know, how, how could you, you not perform well? Uh, interesting. <laughs> now, do you yeah, think it would we'll put be... a bit of extra weight on them. Yeah, do you think that. we'll be seeing a Scott Morrison stadium anytime <laughs> soon? Or... Yeah, I have to change the name of the stadium every few years. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we're gonna have to. Yeah, we might have an Anthony Albanese stadium, but maybe we'll have a Scott Morrison stadium. Yeah, I don't know. I think we separate our sport and our politics a bit better than the Indians do by the looks of things. Well, maybe, maybe uh, over in England with Boris Johnson and uh, 
or this Chelsea thing here. Maybe he can take over Chelsea and he can be the... Yeah, that was an odd link. Anyway, um, that's good, Jurette. Eight and one, as you say, looking very impressive. In second place um, at the moment um, is the other new team, I think, the Lucknow Supergiants at seven and three. Um, Australian in the team performing fairly well. Marcus Stoinis uh, had a very good performance against the Delhi Capitals. Um, you know, a bit of a pinch hit roll, 17 off six and some good death bowling. Also, uh, Pearson, we'll start with you. Um, how do you rate Lucknow's performances thus far? Well, I, I won't dwell on Stoinis, but I don't think he's done as well as you hype him up to have. I think they set him up to come in and hit lots of sixes in the last two overs, and then he doesn't do that 80% of the time. But he did do well in his last knock, and there's probably some stat that Ethan's going to pull up that proves me completely wrong here. But in the meantime, I'm willing to keep my anti-Australianism going. Um, yeah, the, the notable thing with him is, I think, primarily just the runs they're scoring. Is They're second in the runs tally, just 50 runs behind top of the list and third in the table, Rajasthan. And they're also 150 ahead of any other side in the tournament. And I think that definitely does help. And of course it does. I think as we've seen with a lot of the top sides, there's one or two batsmen that have been very consistent. They're not necessarily that quick, but they are quite effective at grinding out big scores. I think it is notable that the two highest scorers in the tournament come from the side second and third in the table. Uh, second highest scorer in the tournament is Kale Rahul, who is a Lucknow or Lucknow. I still don't really know how to pronounce it. Uh, Super Giants player. He has still come into criticism, weirdly, despite having it 200s for being a bit slow at times. But I think that's definitely, they have a consistently solid platform. I think it would be worth noting. And I think the other thing to note is just they are a solid bowling attack. They seem to cover pretty much everything they need to. I mean, you look at Jason Holder, Dushmantha Chimir, and Avesh Khan are a very strong pace attack. And of course, Ravi Bishnoi is arguably the best young spinner in world cricket at the minute, other than Matt Parkinson, obviously, but that's a separate point. So I do, I do think, again, in the same way we saw with Gujarat, they're just an effective lineup. I think a lot of the sides, the further down the list we get, have a few gaping holes that they just haven't been able to fill. I think having something capable a player that's solid in every position has really worked out well for them and it's caused them to be quite successful so far i i honestly think they're more likely than gujarat to win this title i think they'll make the final although i think rajasthan will prevail which we can come to in a minute would you agree with that ethan yeah i'm not sure really who's making the the final i think it's still hard hard to go past gujarat at the minute if they can keep finding ways to win games, but you never know just a dip in form of, you know, one of their key players and everything could look a lot different. Um, I did flag um, Lucknow and Rajasthan at the start of the season um, as potential strong teams. And I was looking more so at their bowling attacks, really. And I think, you know, the, the key to a, a really strong T20 campaign is, is in the bowling attack. And and both, you know, Lucknow and Rajasthan have that all-round all-round attack. There's not really too many weaknesses there. And KL Rahul... Couple of, couple of ducks and low scores early on. He, he's, yeah, found his way up there, averaging 56 so far. Okay, very good to see the two new teams performing well. Uh, in third place, I think we have um, your pick 
uh, as for the best team uh, from earlier on, uh, a couple of episodes ago, the Rajasthan Royals sitting um, in six wins, four losses at the moment, led, uh, as we said before, by Joss Butler, um, who's averaging 65 with 300s and 350s at the moment. Uh, and he, he's got the, the orange cap, which signifies being the highest run scorer. I'm not really sure why it's an orange cap, but um, anyway, he's performing very well nonetheless. Pearson, uh, well, I, I guess we've given the answer, well, one of the major answers of why Rajasthan's so good. But um, yeah, how are they performing so well? Yeah, there's really two names to be noted here, I think, particularly among the batsmen, which would be Butler and Samson. Butler has been dominant. He's first player probably ever to come close to challenging Virat Kohli's runs in an IPL season record. He's definitely changed the way he plays a bit, I think. He's reined himself in early doors and does seem to bat to the 15th overall along of virtually every single time he comes to the crease. I think he has pretty much proved himself to be the best T20 batsman in the world at present. And that's obviously going to help you, having that world-class player. And then I think Samju Samson's provided the explosiveness they've needed. He's been consistently effective. He certainly scores runs, and he scores them quickly. Admittedly, both Butler and Samson had a poor night last night against Kolkata, but such things do happen. I think the other thing to note is this tournament, in a way that possibly previous IPLs haven't, has rewarded a hit-the-pitch bowler that bowls at intensely high pace. I'm sure we'll come to Umran Malik in a bit, who has arguably been the most talked-about player in this IPL. But I think another person to note would be Prasid Krishna, who is, again, a up-and-down, tall, hit-the-deck bowler at 140-plus. And it's definitely working out well for them. I also think something that's possibly inhibited them in previous years has been their lack of quality spin bowling. And bringing in Ravi Chandran and Ashwin and Yusvendran Chahal has definitely helped them out there. I think it was a poor decision by RCB to get rid of Chahal at the end. Anything to add on that one, Ethan? Uh, yeah, so I, I think Butler's been an interesting case because he's, he's looked like he's, he's had the form of his life, but then also in a few games, he's, he's also struggled to get going. Um, I think one of the innings broke the record for the most runs without a, a six. Uh, it was about uh, 70, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but again, last, last innings, for someone in such great form, 22 of 25, and he seems to be someone who actually hits that 20 off 20 mark quite a bit and, and capitalises later on. Um, and, and really, Rajasthan falter when, when he gets out and, and chews up a few balls. Um, I, I think they're still underperforming despite the fact that they're third. I'm, I'm not sure they're entirely set on their best, best 11 in their batting order. Um, Ashwin's you know, moved around, batted three once, retired out once. Um, so they've definitely got, got the list and, and got, got the talent. I mean, Hetmeyer's averaging the same as Butler and striking at 164, having a great season. Um, but sometimes I think they let themselves down um, by chewing up a bit too many balls when, when they could have you know, hit 20 or 30 more. So uh, definitely starting, starting the campaign well, but they've, they've not hit the straps that they potentially could with the team that they've got. 
Another question I saw about them was potentially having a bit of a lack of batting depth. Um, and, you know, if Butler perhaps doesn't perform the way he's performing now and a couple of the other players, do, do you think they have the depth to make a real challenge? It's an interesting point because I, I think their list is good, but a couple are struggling to form. So Padakala at the top is, is one of the biggest talents in, in Indian cricket, but he hasn't quite hit the straps. They've got Jaiswal on, on the bench, who was one of the players Rajasthan actually retained, um, but he, he's not starting because they, they back their, their batting talent. Sanju Sampson's been very good. Uh, Parag and Hetmeyer, I think, have been very strong as well. I think really what, what, what starts to happen is when Butler fails, he chews up balls, Padikal chews up balls, and whoever is batting number four, whether that be Karanair, Rassi van der Dusen, or Daryl Mitchell have been chewing up balls as well. And it really undoes the, the high strike rate play that you get from Samson, Parag and Hetmeyer because um, they've got too many people hitting 15 on 15. So I think it, it's all right if just Butler does, does that once, um, but you can't have three people doing that because that's when you start hitting 150, which isn't enough in this IPL. Yeah, yeah I would also note on top of that and this shouldn't really be an issue 90% of the time, but their tail is abysmal. They do have Trent Bolt batting eight when he's really a number 11. I admit if your side is needing runs from your number eight, you're probably going to lose anyway. But there is an argument to be had that teams, I think the current England side is commonly used as an explainer for this, is sides feel, at least top orders feel more willing to attack when they know they bat towards someone that can still hit a quick fire 20 at nine or 10. And I think knowing that as soon as your number seven falls, you will crumble doesn't help their the style that they possibly want to go for. And it's probably why players like Butler have had to rein themselves in that bit more. Because as Ethan says, if one of their top order batsmen fails, it chews up balls and it doesn't get runs on the board. And that's a big risk to have when you've got a number eight who, despite having a, quite fun technique to watch doesn't really score many runs in Trent Bolt. Yeah, I'm definitely a big one for the importance of the tail wagging. Um, I remember after the Hobart test um, where England's tail put up a rather insipid performance, I was uh, yeah trying to get Pearson to admit it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, a sign well, of I, their, uh, their weakness. To be, to be fair, there is a difference between the tail wagging in a test match and a T20, but, but I, I, I agree with the overall point. Yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, in fourth place at the moment, uh, we have the Sunrisers Hyderabad um, at five and four. Uh, another team that many expected not to do so well. There were big questions over their decision to keep Kane Williamson, um, the captain, uh, in the auction. Um, but they're on a five-game win streak at the moment um, and looking pretty good, would you say, Ethan? Yeah, arguably the surprise of the tournament, that the fact that if they win their next game, they're now going to go third. Um, I really think they stuffed up their budget big time in the auction. I think they paid way too much money for a few players like Williamson and Tripathi, but they also got a few steals. And I really like having Markham at four and Varan at five. I think those two are a really big talent. And they've managed to, to get a really good bowling attack going. And with Sundar, Marco Janssen, um, Bhuvneshwar Kumar, Natarajan and, and Umran Malik has been a great find. So despite wasting 
I think about 25 crore on Williamson and Tripathi. Um, they've, they've managed to get a few steals who, who are playing really good cricket. And Abhishek Sharma at the top has, has been a revelation. He's now third on the, the run scoring list. And, and he, he looks pretty much as good as anyone up the top. Some of the stroke play that you get from him is, is wonderful. Um, I think while Williamson's there for his captaincy, his batting is hampering them. Uh, last game, they were chasing 202, and he hit 47 off 37 at a strike rate of 127, and they fell 13 short. So, so you do wonder, you know, while, while you get consistent runs from him, while he's a, he's a great leader and a great captain, he, he might be letting them down just, just with the low strike rate, low strike rate cricket. Um, but, yeah, optimistic signs for sure for Sunrisers thus far. Anything to add, Pearson? Yeah, I think a lot of... Well, I, I admit I didn't think Hyderabad would have a good year. I think I said in a previous podcast that their best effort is probably seventh on the table. They've definitely confounded that and confounded my never-wrong status that I like to uphold. <laughs> well, you've still, got a, however, you've still got a few games for them to drop down. You never know. Yeah, well, there, however, there are some, at least, underlying metrics suggest possibly they might drop. They are, in my view, a bit over-reliant on the bowling attack. The bowling attack has been excellent, but it is difficult to get to finals when you have scored less runs than any other team in the tournament. They are 10th out of 10. They are 60 runs behind Mumbai, who have lost almost every single game they've played this season. So there is the question to be made that if one of their bowlers drops off or they have an injury, will that cause significant problems for them going forward? I do think, as Ethan says, they need some batsmen. I think Williamson has been one of the surprise packages of the tournament. For a player with such a good cricketing brain, he's really not paced his innings well at all throughout the entire tournament. And I think that is something that has definitely not helped them. There have been a few games where others have performed. I've been very impressed by Sharma, as Ethan says, and particularly Aiden Markram. I think he's one of the best at least in terms of value buys for an international, we've had this IPL. So I do think they've got the basis from which to work off for future years. But for now, I still don't think they'll make finals. I'm not particularly confident despite their current momentum and five-game winning run. But possibly in the next couple of years, if they can get a new captain in, get some more aggressive batsmen instead of a Williamson or whoever else has been failing that order. And I think they're a reasonable shout to be a potential tournament winner in a year or two's time. Interesting. We'll wait and see on that one. Uh, in fifth place on the ladder at the moment um, are the Royal Challengers Bangalore uh, and at five and five, um, Glenn Maxwell's team for our Australian listeners uh, and Josh Hazelwood performing very well. Also um, picking up 10 wickets uh, out of the economy of just 7.16. Also, uh, Pearson, how do you rate their performances so far? Yeah, they, they've been solid. I've taken significant pleasure in failures of Virat Kohli. Sorry to whatever viewers do like Virat, but I don't. Um, you can go to another podcast. You won't, <laughs> won't find anything. So. Otherwise, they've been all right. They've got a weird tendency of beating good sides. Of course, they did beat Look Now, who are second by 20 runs in their most recent game. I think they're a side who probably should be doing better than they are, arguably. It is still a very strong lineup all round. I do think, not dissimilar to the issues of 
that we've cited with Rajasthan and with Sunrisers. I do think they lack that firepower in their top three. They do have, particularly in the form of Duplessis and Coley, two players who don't tee off particularly well early doors. They do. I think Duplessis has been a particular example. He almost never plays in innings where he's striking at over 100 after his first 20 balls. So when he's not in form, I think that is disadvantaging the team. Beyond that, I think the team's not bad. They have definitely been aided by uh, renaissance almost of Dinesh Kartik, who has come out of nowhere and arguably looks the form selection for India's keeping position come the World Cup at the end of the year, which is not something I thought I'd say. But I admit I said at the start of the season he should retire and do commentary full-time. So the fact he's now a player of the tournament has surprised me and impressed me. Again, Hasaranga's done well. Navod won't like me for saying this, but I do think he's a downgrade on Chahal, who they probably should have kept. But he's still been effective. At times, a bit expensive. Josh Hazelwood has sort of, over the last two years, come from nowhere to be arguably the best three-format bowler in world cricket. And he's definitely showing that off here. He's consistent. He's always impressed. I've, I think something to note with him is he just doesn't have a bad game. And I think the performance of players like him like a Maxwell, who, although he's been a bit hit and miss, has generally been at least aggressive, and particularly Dinesh Kartik, has meant that any potential failures they have elsewhere in the order where star players like a Kohli or a Dubasi haven't performed have been compensated for. I still think they're a shout for finals, although I'd be... Well, wait, how many teams make finals now? Is it four or five? If it's five, they're a shout. If it's four, then it's doubtful. This is really something I should know, but... Evidently, absolutely no one we're in this all, podcast. We're does. all looking to Prince so, He's also nice to be the expert, yeah. and, he's, and he's very aggressively Googling the answer. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't know how this new group system works. <laughs> no, exactly. Because there's 10 teams, I thought they might do that awful thing that, what you going to call it, the BBL does with five teams in the finals. But yeah. and if that's the case, oh. I think they're a very good chance. Although that invalidates my claim that some, that. Let me call it Hyderabad won't make it if it is a five team. Yeah, I think it's I think well, it's whatever four, the case, four, they're on the four It's four. Okay, well that that I, I like that it's four. I don't like the tournament, but I've got time okay. for their finals set up. Yeah. Well, I guess the fact that Colia and Duplessis and their other stars haven't been performing and they're still five and five, um, is probably, you know, it, it could have been much worse than that for sure. Uh Ethan, anything to add? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much what you what you just said there. Like, if you look at their list compared to Gujarat's list, there's, there's not a whole lot of difference on paper. It's just form, really. Um, Gujarat's key players in form, Virat Kohli, Duplessis, and Maxwell, uh, look pretty off it currently. Um, Dinesh Karthik has had some season. He looks absolutely unbelievable. Um, averaging 54.5 at a strike rate of 195. Like, that's pretty much unheard of. Um, and he, he looks the the new MS Dhoni pretty much. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see if he, he can get a, an India call up, call up down the line and if he can replicate that form at the international level. Mm. Just quickly before we move on, on Josh Hazelwood, um, I remember last year before the T20 World Cup for Australia, that fool that I am was uh, saying, you know, why are, we, why are we picking Josh Hazelwood? He's no good at T20. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a good IPL last last um last year uh, and another great one this year and i think it kind of goes to what you were saying pearson about the 
the change um, that, that's sort of taking place in T20 where those sort of fast bowlers who are able to hit a good length uh, consistently uh, really are pretty successful and very important uh, for teams in a way that they potentially weren't a, a few years ago in T20. All right, next up uh, are the Delhi Capitals um, with a record of four wins, five losses. At the moment, uh, Ricky Ponting's team, um, as well as uh, David Warner and Mitch Marsh uh, in that team. Also, a uh, bit of a middling performance so far. Uh, how do you rate them, Ethan? Yeah, another tough one because their, their list looks pretty pretty strong, but then their, their form has been you know, so up and down. Their last five games have been uh, loss, win, loss, win, loss. So there's been no momentum no player has really taken the, the tournament by the horns and, and developed a consistent run of form. Just seems every game, one person will, will contribute, one person will lag behind. So it's, it's not, not quite the well-oiled machine that perhaps some people expected it would be. Um, it looks like Ponting might, might need a couple more seasons to, to yeah, get Delhi going again. That being said, you know, at, at sixth place with a game in hand, they, they are an outside sh shout of, you know, scraping one of those third or fourth spots uh, and maybe getting into a groove before finals comes around. I see. And David Warner's had a, he had some good performances earlier on. Um, how's he been overall? Warner and March have been interesting ones because both of their best innings, they scored about 10 off 20 um, and were subject to some serious criticism. But since then, they've looked pretty good, honestly. Um, Warner has somehow managed to outshine Prithi Shaw after that first, first game when I think it was a 50 partnership and Warner hit about six. Um, and, and Marsh looks, he looks good as, good as always. Not quite the, the blistering form we saw in the World Cup, but you know, when he hits cover drive, it, stay, it, it stays hit. That's good to Wait, hear. Just before, before we move on, I've, I need clarification from Ethan here. Has Marsh been, is he injured or have they dropped him? Because he didn't play their most recent game. So I do wonder yeah. whether you're slightly overstating the quality of his performances. <laughs> no, I think he was. He he, I thought it was COVID. Him. I think I read it was COVID. Oh, that no, sounds he, Yeah, he, he, he arrived late, then play, played one game, then had COVID, went to hospital, and he's back. And last, last game, he hit 37 of 20. The last so, game he played on my list was against Punjab, and he didn't play. The game in which Warner no, hit was... 60 off 30. No, that I, was, I, that was I think he's before. been dropped, and I'm very happy to <laughs> oh, say no. he has where, been. where are you looking at this game? <laughs> We've got a mystery unfolding where, in front where, of us. Where, yeah. where is... I don't even know when this Wait, was. So, um, hang on, Pearson, Pearson. Delhi played Punjab on the 21st of April. They've played three games since then. <laughs> oh, no. Pearson's drunken... Pearson's drunken sprees has... Uh, he went sure. to hospital with COVID, finished his, finished his ISO and he's back playing Pearson. <laughs> I did think Warner wasn't still in such good form. So they, uh, they balance each other out. But sure, okay, he's not being dropped. I accept that. But yes, I was looking at a game from two and a half weeks ago. That's yeah, well, my mistake. If, if you listen to some sources, Pearson's been out drinking for those whole two weeks. So uh, <laughs> maybe not surprising. He's uh, a Light bit behind us there. That. 
<laughs> um, just before we move on, on David Warner, I've got to say he's he's got a he's got something to answer for with with this dancing. I didn't mind it at first, um, but uh, have you been following this? They're just getting worse and worse. He's roping the kids in with it now. Uh, I feel for them to be honest. Uh, I think they're going to be looking back in embarrassment in a few years' time. But uh, I think David Warner needs to uh, take a good hard look at himself, um, if I'm being honest. But anyway, you guys don't seem to have as strong opinions on that. No, I, 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 I had much more fun when he was the obvious player to hate than when he became this weird dancing figure. Yeah. I'd much rather boo him onto the pitch as a cheat than have to watch him dance with his children. But yeah. he's clearly, he's turned a corner, he'll suggest. And yeah, he's a bit more of a moral person or something. But yeah, yeah maybe, I, I don't care to watch. Maybe next time he goes to England, people can blame his dancing for his horrible batting <laughs> and then then there might be some reason to, to hate it even further. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, I'll it's take just, that. Just, as long uh, as he doesn't score runs against us, I do not care. That's my <laughs> answer. Well, I think that's one thing you can bet on, that he's not going to score runs against you guys. <laughs> anyway, moving on. In uh, seventh place, I think, or may- yeah, we have um, the Kolkata Knight Riders at four and six, um, Aaron Finch's team, uh, as well as Pat Cummins. So I think we spoke about in our last podcast, um, scored that record-breaking or record-equaling 50. Um, how have they been, Ethan? Yeah, this is sort of where we get to the, the subpar, sort of mediocre range sides. I mean... KKR have a decent spine with Shreyas Iyer, Nidish Rana, Rinku Singh. I mean, it, it, it's fine. It's not the class that you see up the top of the table. Aaron Finch is, somehow makes a starting 11 for them, and he's been pretty poor. He's made three single-digit scores in these four innings. Um, I, I think there's going to be more selection controversy surrounding him when Australia start playing. And really, like, there's, there's, some, there's some big names, Andre Russell, Sino and Orion, um, Tim Stowley's superseded Pat Cummins in the in the eleven. Umesh Yadav's bowling well, um, but again, it's 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 a team that there's no real standouts in terms of performances, and I think you're probably betting on them missing out on finals. Okay. Yeah, there's not much to add here. It's a meh team performing in a meh fashion. I think. And also, I will. In the only other thing I will note is Owen Morgan was probably the worst international in the competition last year, and I think KKR have somehow managed to downgrade on him with Aaron Finch, and it's quite an achievement that they don't have a tendency to select great internationals. But in theory, with at least Shreyas Iyer performing, they should be doing better than they are. They're just, I think, too average. They're the first side I think we've seen of what the seven I think we've listed where I just don't think they have 11 players that could propel them into the finals, irrespective of performance. Okay, not much more to be said. Um, for Kolkata then, in eighth place, we have the Punjab Kings uh, with a four and five record. Pearson, I think you in particular want to speak about this one. You had high hopes for them, um, but they uh, and Johnny Bairstow in particular have let you down. Yeah, this has been a great frustration to me. I I like Punjab. I like the way they play. They are very much that high octane, have a hack and hopefully it comes off kind of cricket. And I have time for that in T20s. I think, I mean, England do it and they have two English players. So therefore I am predisposed towards liking them. 
On the plus side, their one top performing player has been an Englishman in Liam Livingston. The questions of whether he can score runs in the subcontinent have dissipated to some degree. Whether he can bowl in the subcontinent is another question that I don't think he's been able to answer, or which I think has meant he has led to being possibly slightly overpriced, arguably, because I think he was signed as to some degree an all-rounder. I agree Bairstow's been very subpar. I think it is notable that as soon as Bairstow started scoring white ball runs in 2017, he stopped scoring test runs. And the exact opposite seems to have happened since he started scoring test runs about six months ago. So maybe there is something to that. Maybe he has a technique that just doesn't predispose itself to playing in all three formats and can only do white or red individually. Uh, Shikha Darwan was excellent last year, but has not coped well in his shift to the other side. Mayang Agarwal's just been kind of unnoticeable. Raja Paksa has actually impressed me as the player who, at the start of the season, really wasn't meant to play any games, has arguably been their best import other than Livingston so far. He scores quickly, even if he doesn't bat a long time, but I think that's symptomatic of the entire side. They do like to score quickly, but they collapse every game. I feel like they lose eight wickets a game pretty much every game. And I think that is a large part of why they keep losing. Is they just they need a bit more of that Rajasthan style play where their top order reigns itself in a bit. And they just don't have that. And their bowling attack isn't great, honestly. I mean, it has a couple good players. Arshdeep and Rabada are good bowlers, but it's not enough to compensate for what is overall a bowling attack that at times struggles to defend 180, let alone 150 when they collapse every other week. Yeah, it sounds a bit like the Brisbane Heat, really. That, um, <laughs> that, yep. that aggressive style is sometimes entertaining to watch, but never really brings you a huge amount of success. Mm. Okay, uh, in second last place, uh, we have the Chennai Super Kings um, and a record of three and six. Um, and well, as one of the, the biggest teams and normally one of the, the best teams, one of the most successful this year, I think, is it's, well, it's been a bit of a soap opera from what I've seen. Um, we had the huge announcement of Jadeja as captain before the season, but now am I right in saying that um, he's no longer captain and he's handed it back um, to MS Dhoni, um, their previous captain, uh, who has had a bit of a renaissance this year but uh not exactly ideal how many but nine games in or something and already Jadeja's uh um yeah giving it up so uh big dramas for Chennai yeah that's that, that's a funny one actually he's, he's had enough he's well it's been a, a horrible start to the campaign for CSK really and despite Dhoni coming good with the bats they've you know played pretty poorly overall um I can recall last game, their, their fielding was absolutely dreadful. And that's something that, that seems to happen lots with, you know, Indian cricket generally is the fielding gets left behind a little bit. Um, you know, the, the batting and bowling depth is, is class, but, but some, some of the fielding you, you get in this competition is, it's like, like watching a fours game. Um, but, but really, I, I think Chennai's bowling attack is, is the reason, you know, one of the reasons of, of their downfall. And I think Pretorius, Bravo, and Chowdhury, I mean, they, they all look like leaking runs most games. And, and it's a batting attack where no one's really, no one's really found form. Um, they've got, they, they retain lots of players um, from previous seasons, but they had to spend 
you know, spend decent amounts to actually retain those players. So I think they just tried to go for more of the same, um, just despite the whole IPL reshift and, and auctions. And I think that's that's backfired. Um, and, you know, they haven't had guy quads in, in the same form as last season to keep them afloat. Although it was interesting to see uh, last game, Guy Quad and uh, Devin Conway, who played, I believe, his best game of the season, managed to put 182 uh, runs at the top of the order, which, which mm. is a great partnership. Um, Guy Quad fell for 99, which was a bit of a shame. But, I mean, if, if, if that keeps going, who knows if, if they manage to somehow win their remaining games. But yeah, it seems very unlikely. I see. Sometimes looking across, though, and seeing some of the things their fans say, I sometimes wonder if uh, it's sort of a, a close call between MS Dhoni performing well and them winning. I think kind of <laughs> either one is good enough for the, for the team. So uh, it hasn't been all bad in their view, uh, but it probably has been all bad for the final team, uh, the Mumbai Indians at one and eight. I think they were, did they lose eight in a row or, or seven in a row, something like that um, to start the season. Um, and all I say on this is that I think um, they deserve to be struggling probably more than this. They deserve to have not won a game because any team who pays Tim David uh, $1.1 million, um, yeah, well, they, they deserve whatever comes for them. Uh, Ethan, what do you have to say on this one? Yeah, I think they've made the same mistake as Mumbai and they just tried to keep all their players oh. and ended up paying too much for them. You said same mistake as Mumbai. They are yeah. Mumbai. Yeah, same mistake. I'm same still mistake looking at a game from three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair yeah, I think they made the same mistake as Chennai and they paid too much for their previous players. I think they paid 16 crore for Ishan Kishan and, and he hasn't really done anything. Um, and sure, they've got some you know, good players who haven't hit their straps, but um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's an outdated lineup that hasn't really coped with the, the shift of format. I don't think Daniel Sands is that good. Uh, you know, the fact that he's starting and, and batting seven for them is you know, questionable. And, and Riley Meredith as well. Like, I don't think they're, they're good enough to play IPL, but they, they spent so much on Ishan Kishan that they're, they're, their imports have struggled. Again, it, it's, it's a weak bowling attack, and, and that seems to be a feature of these lower-ranked sides. Um, and, you know, Tim, Tim David, was he worth the, the one mil? Evidently not. I mean, he's barely played a game and he, he gets like maximum 10 balls in innings batting at number six. Um, and when your team is struggling as much up top as, as Mumbai are, a, a 10 balls in innings is not going to make a difference, really. I wouldn't mind seeing like him batting three or four like he does in the PSL to be an actual game changer. Um, but I don't think any six is worth a million dollars unless you're a real high-ranking side like Gujarat and you benefit from someone like Tawadi or winning you unwinnable games. Okay. Um, one final thing on them. Robert Sharma um, really hasn't made any score of note. Um, obviously, their captain uh, in both tests in all formats, I think, um, at the moment for India. Do you think... Uh, it's a worry that he's not performing in the IPL, even just on a psychological level. The fact he's not performing, it's not ideal um, as a new captain uh, coming in for them, is it? Yeah, he's, he's captain Mumbai for, for a while. So it, it, it does seem strange that 
that this season is sort of inexplicably dropped off in form. Um, but I think if you're an Indian fan, you're you're worried heading into this T20 World Cup because what you don't want is Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli both striking at 120 and, and chewing up balls at the top of the order. I mean, Dinesh Karthik can only do so much. So uh, I think that's that's been the big worry. It's not, it's not necessarily... You know, but both both of them are struggling, and they're probably the two undroppable batsmen in the side. Um, so I think, you know, whether you like Mumbai or you don't, all the Indian fans will be sweating on some sort of row hit form in the remaining games. Okay, well that sums up the IPL thus far. Um, as you said at the start, we've still got uh, a fair way to go, so I'm sure there'll be plenty more to talk about uh, on future episodes. Hopefully, not in a month's time, uh, but. Beyond that, there's been some some other big cricketing news coming out, and of that, I am talking about the Australia squads being announced uh, for the Sri Lanka tour coming up soon. Um, three separate squads for the Test, um, the the White Ball series, and the Australia A tour touring for the first time since 2019, I think, over there. Also, um, Pearson, what what stood out to you from uh, either of these teams? Well, I think they're very stock standard, to be honest. I don't think there's anything hugely shocking from either setup. I was quietly pleased to see Ethan didn't get rewarded with a Tanvir Sanger call up. Is he? He may have made the Australia race. Yeah, he made the Australia. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, th- I think <laughs> he's that, on the that plane. Definite... He's on the plane. <laughs> I accept that is deserved. It's um, all part of the plan. It's to... all part of the plan. Yeah. Sure, it is. With regard to it's the main the side, theory. I think. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, I actually think he might be right. It'll depend on how well swept and bowls on what should be minefields in Sri Lanka in a couple months' time. Mm. I do think it's pretty standard, but you're, you're winning games, so there's not really much point in changing what's working. I do think you eventually had to cut off Marcus Harris, and that's now happened. I think, although I still don't trust Kawaja opening against the moving ball, I do think he's a class above when it comes to playing spin. So there was no real question that he had to be the first player on the team sheet. And really, everything's exactly as you'd expect. I think the questions were less over what squad would be picked and more over who they end up playing and who ends up performing. I think, in all likelihood, we will see the exact same side that played the final test against Pakistan play that first test against Sri Lanka. Makes the news on our side less exciting because there is less to comment on. But at least for the stability of Australian cricket, it suggests you're in a good place and you've got a settled side that know how to perform and win games. Yeah, I was probably the only supporter of Marcus Harris on this podcast. But uh, even though I admit that probably, yeah, the, that ship has sailed, at least for the time being, um, especially over in Asia. Uh, the other question that Pearson sort of alluded to there was, was team selection, uh, in particular with Josh Hazelwood, um, who hasn't been out of form, but in the final two tests in Pakistan and likely again here in Sri Lanka, isn't going to be selected. Um, you know, do you think it's the right call to, to keep going with the two spinners, Ethan? Uh, I, I think so. Um, I think Josh Hazelwood's a, a class bowler. Mitchell Stark's got a very good re- record in Sri Lanka. Um, and I think just long-term, you want we want games for our second spinner because Nathan Lyon's not going to play forever and you're not going to win in India 
you know, playing one spinner on the most, like some of the most spin friendly decks. So even if it's not the strongest team on the day, I think you still want to have, you know, one eye looking at development. And I think, you know, the more games that Trepson can get under his belt, perhaps even against some lower quality opposition, which we might get against Sri Lanka compared to India, um, the better. And, you know, I, I don't think it'll be the difference between winning and losing. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with uh, yeah, the two-spin option. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree there. Uh, the final thing I would say about the Australia A Tour is, um, well, actually, this, this goes more onto um, the county the county cricket uh, a great performer over there at the moment um but the other day uh, i woke up and i logged on to fox sports um and i read this overnight matthew renshaw hit a glorious century uh, that was filled with cover drives drives down the ground and one phenomenal pull shot for six which looked more like the ricky ponting of old um than matthew hayden uh so matthew renshaw very much back in form um opening now for Somerset uh, over in England um, and selected in the Australia A squad as well. Do you guys think he can get back in the team potentially now that Marcus Harris has been shown the door uh, over in England um, as, as an opener where Kawaj is not so good? Pearson, what do you think about this? Is it time to get back on board the Renshaw train? No, and I'll leave it back. <laughs> now, he's not, he's, he's done all right. I think, He's got a track record of performing for county sides. He played for Kent at one stage a couple of years back. I think he may have even played for Somerset a couple of years back too and averaged 50 in pretty much every stint he's had down there. So he clearly does know how to play the moving ball, which might make him the ideal replacement for a player like a Kawaja if he doesn't perform in Australia. But I think for the minute, you can't really put yourself in a position where Kawash is by far your top run score over a year-long period and then say, oh, but he might fail against Rabada with the pink ball in Adelaide, therefore we must drop him. I do like Renshaw. I still have a strong attraction to Bryce Street, and that's not changed. So I'm, I think he made the ace score too, <laughs> so I'm quite happy with that. Did he make? He did make the ace score. No, he didn't make he it. Oh, I'm outraged. Oh, that's ridiculous. Pete Hanscom. I think we should. I think we should fire most. Yeah, this is outrageous. We should hire. Okay, I now disagree with my point that you're in a stable position. I think you got dreadful selects if they're not picking Bryce Street. Well, I do. I do think that probably Renshaw. He's a bit more experienced. He's a bit older. He is scoring runs. Before you open him in a Test match, he does need to open for his state side again. So that might be something to note. Joe but yeah, he's doing well in England. But it's it's it seems way too early to me. He's hit one ton for Somerset in three games, and therefore he's a Test match player. I don't think he's worth saying yet. He's been good. He's not been miraculous by any means. He needs to put together a thousand run season in county cricket before I say yes, get him in the Test side. I mean, Abel hit a hundred in that game, and he was averaging less than five in his 21st class innings before it. So there, there is a limitation to how much I'm willing to credit that one ton with a potential Australia recall. Right. Well, I've got a fact here that I um, only just found out before. 
<laughs> um, that might change your mind. You may already know this, but uh-huh. did you know that Renshaw was born in Yorkshire? <laughs> yes, he left. I forget how old he was when he left. He was about yeah. nine or so. Yeah. Yeah, he so was, he's... He, he was it's, eight it's and went to impetus. New Zealand and then Australia. So he's very much a... a well, well, well the, the argument that should be made is if Australia don't pick him for another three years, he can be <laughs> England eligible. And he'd walk into our opening lineup because <laughs> we've got at the minute. Yeah, yeah well, Zach Crawley averaging about ten in first class cricket at the minute. So I'm all for him not getting picked if he can represent England down the line. Yeah, well, in Test cricket, Renshaw's average is 33, I think. So that would put him up as what? Your yeah, it puts second, him bang on with every other Englishman. <laughs> yeah. Well, it puts uh, him ahead, I think, of pretty much every Englishman in the last <laughs> five years. Yes, I'd say so. Well, that. Um, is a nice segue um, on to the next big news, um, which you can take us through, Pearson. Uh, England have finally announced a new captain and a new coach, I think, also. Uh, The Red Bull reset is well underway. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Mixed. I think Rob Oh yeah, I, uh, yeah. You better say what the uh, who the captain actually is as well. I, I, yeah, so to, I, I, to I will explain it. So we've so we've picked. So we haven't picked a coach to clarify. We've right. picked what's called a managing director. They essentially rule over the coach. They determine the setup of whether we have a selector, which is part of the reason our previous director got fired was we binned off a selector and gave everything to Chris Silverwood. So it's things like that that they will deal with. And they are very important. Of course, our managing director in our white ball rise was Andrew Strauss, and he's spoken about a lot with his importance to the thing. So there is an argument that there will be a pretty reasonable level of effort that they have to put in. That role was given to Rob Key. Uh, I think that is definitely a loss for the Sky Sports commentary box. I've always liked Rob Key's commentary. It is a shame to see him depart. However, I think he'll do a reasonable job. He essentially did every single role in Kent County Cricket Club for about 10 years. He was their captain and really the only person they had in their back room while they were falling apart in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So I do have some time for him. He does lack managerial experience. He's never held a role like this in his career. He went straight from playing to punditry. So it is going to be something new. But as long as he doesn't become too much of a yes man to the higher ups, then I think he'll be all right. I've definitely, from the press conferences he's done so far, been impressed. He's yet to appoint a coach, although that's widely said to be Gary Kirsten, who, again, I like. Gary Kirsten is a traditionalist coach, all about playing with a straight bat. I like the idea of having an opening batsman as a coach because I think it instills a degree of discipline that you don't always get from someone like a Chris Silverwood, who was a pace bowler, which can often lead to a bit being a bit fiery, I think, but I'm possibly looking too deeply into it there. Although Chris Silverwood somehow got a job straight away in Sri Lanka. We can bring in Navod someday to ask why in the world Sri Lanka picked him as their head coach after the last three years he's had with us. <laughs> but we have picked a captain, and the captain is Ben Stokes. I really don't think there was much debate to be had around this. Stokes is probably a better captain than Root, or at least in his limited experience of doing it, that's what he's shown The question I think most people have with Stokes is, will he overwork himself and can he stay fit? There's also the argument that possibly he needs to drop T20 from his essentially playing time and he needs to stop taking IPL contracts, which he has not taken one this year. So maybe we're on track to see that. 
But overall, I think they're both positive moves. I still think just the selection pool of English cricket is relatively limited. So it's not going to get us world number one, but it is, they are better than what we did have, I think. So I'll, 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 I view it with cautious optimism. I am slightly disappointed that they didn't go with the plan to bring in Sam Billings as, you know, a specialist captain. But uh, Yeah, you, anyway. I don't know why you like <laughs> Sam Billings so much, but he is a capable captain, if yeah, nothing else. Maybe, maybe in the future. Ethan, uh, your views on uh, England's decisions? Yeah, I think just as a, an opposition fan, you, you can fear England with Stokes as captain a bit more than you can fear England with, with Root as captain. Not, not sure I find Joe Root the most intimidating personality uh, like maybe a, a Virat Kohli is. So maybe, maybe they'll give themselves a psychological edge. Um, and, and I think as a, as a player, you know, maybe, maybe they'll be more inspired to play, on someone, play under someone like a, a Ben Stokes who's always you know, wor- working in himself hard. Um, I think, you know, the workload factor is, is highly relevant. I mean, Stokes seems to bowl himself into the ground um, each game with, you know, 20-odd overs in innings, which for an all-rounder is, is phenomenal. Um, but then, then again, you know, he might be able to manage his workload better if, if he was uh, in charge of who's bowling. Um, and, you know, he's made that, that call to possibly reinstate Anderson and Broad, um, which, which looks a, a positive move as well. You, you sensed after... Adelaide Root was losing an, an element of control. You know, he wanted them to do one thing. They, they were doing something else. And his response to that was, you know, get, get him out of the side. So maybe Stokes feels he can better manage those veterans and maybe that'll lead to England actually playing their strongest 11 in each test. Mm. Well, I think I read something that, uh, you know, disregarding the, you know, the long-term future, they're, the need at the moment is is to win a test, and surely yeah. Broad and Anderson, they're the they're having them in the team gives you the the best chance of doing that. Okay, well, I think that just about brings us to the end of the podcast for today. Um, we'll hopefully be back next week uh, if we don't just forget about it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, thanks uh, for coming back, guys. It's been good to be back again. It was good. We've got to get county cricket on the podcast next week, but yes, that was a good start. We definitely, we definitely uh, discuss discuss about that. Well, we we discussed the the one big story of Matthew Venture's brilliant yeah. mark. So. I wouldn't call it the one big story. <laughs> it's the one thing an Australian's done. Also yeah. worth noting, Marcus Harris scored a ton that week in county cricket. We're not calling him to get back in the side. Uh, that was the road. That, that was the road. Oh. Sure, it was. <laughs> they made like a, a thousand for like six, didn't they? Yeah, actually, that might. Wait, was it? No, that was. Sorry, actually, oh, no, that was. Yeah, Marcus one Harris one team made like game. four for five hundred, and and the other one was. Made yeah, no, that yeah, that's the, yeah. It was sorry again. Bracy um, didn't make any runs. <laughs> yeah, frustratingly, <laughs> one player we want into the side went out for a three ball duck when the three batsmen around him hit 200, 100, and one hundred each. So it wasn't ideal, but. At least we saw yeah, two for four hundred and forty-three. Jeez, yeah, it's yeah. not a bad effort, particularly when you're number three. It's a duck. You don't complain when you get two for four hundred. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were some fun games. We'll leave this a, for next week, though. Yeah, well, this is this is enough of a, of a discussion. Yeah, isn't there some other guy <laughs> who's scored six ducks in a row or something? Who, who's that? Yes, yeah, Nathan Gilchrist, who 
weirdly has burst onto the scene. I do find it odd because I, I follow a lot of English accounts on Twitter that are cricket people, and everyone's been talking up Nathan Gilchrist. And it just so happens that two days later it comes out that he is possibly the worst batsman <laughs> England have ever produced. It is the first time in, I thought it's, I think the second time maybe in the history of first class cricket in England that a player's gotten six consecutive ducks. That is quite an achievement. You'd think he'd nick one that didn't go to hand, but evidently not. I think he does get bowled most of the time, but he's bowling well. So I'll give him that, even if he can't hold a bat to save his life. Yeah, right. Oh, it sounds like you'll fit in nicely in England's uh, tail. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> wouldn't be out of place. Oh, in the top true. order. Take over from Matty Pavane. Also true. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm, I have great faith that we'll all change under Ben Stokes. So, but uh, we'll, we'll see I about that. I wish I did. <laughs> anyway, um, try not to get too drunk this uh, week, uh, Pearson. Uh, we don't want to hear any more stories from Navod. So, uh, yeah. I'll try my best. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.